0: Today's passage for us comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. Hear God's word to us. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ Dear God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it is both timely and timeless. Now by the power of your spirit who brings your scriptures to life, may you guide us as a community of faith, all those scattered across the city, united together in your word. May you train us, may you shape us into who you've called us to be, not just what you've called us to do. We are your people, and so we long for our ears and our eyes to see and to hear what you long for us as we seek to grow into Christ-likeness. Thank you for this moment. Thank you for your promises to speak to us even now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. A question has been in the back of my mind, and I wanted to share it with you. What if everything we know or knew about addiction was wrong? There's a fascinating TED Talk from a few years ago by a gentleman by the name of Johan Hari where he asks this question and he does a significant amount of research and his thesis was pretty astounding to me. He said, we have a certain way of thinking about addiction and he dives into it specifically with the example of drugs, okay? He says often when we think about breaking down addiction to drugs we think about a couple different categories. We think, one, about helping someone make the right decision, right, to not engage certain substances. And how do we do that? One is through education, by detailing out and educating someone on how that substance will slowly destroy their body over time. And then on the other side of this decision making matrix we have what are called penalties, such that if you make a decision towards a certain area there is a rule of law which will punish you for pursuing that particular substance. So incentives to make a good decision as well as education to inform you what happens when you make a bad decision and punishments to keep you from making a poor decision. Now, when none of that works and we find ourselves falling into addiction, then the response is, well, if we can get your chemicals right, you know? So this is, for example, when somebody's fallen into drug addiction, they might go through detox, a period of time where their chemicals begin to regulate, their body begins to regulate and hopefully over a memory of this really painful experience, they will now make the decision not to return to those particular drugs. Now that's not all wrong, and actually there's a lot of truth there, but there is something drastically missing. And the question he raised is, where did we get this idea for change? And how do we get this idea for bucking addiction? It really comes from experimenting on rats. This is going to be an interesting sermon today. It comes from experimenting on rats. And really, some of the most groundbreaking research was in the 20th century, where they would put a rat in a cage by itself and give it two water bottles. One water bottle was plain water. The other water bottle was laced with either cocaine or heroin. Nearly every time, given enough time, uh, the rat would find itself over to the water bottle number two with the heroin or cocaine and overdose. To which they, you know, come to see the addictive nature of certain substances. Until someone said, has anyone noticed that this rat is by itself in a cage? Like, is that really a desirable place to live? So one gentleman thought, hey, I'm going to make a different environment. He was a professor, Bruce Alexander. Professor Bruce Alexander. And he said, well, I'm going to create what's called Rat Park. It's kind of like rat heaven. It's got food galore, it's got toys and a bunch of other rats to do a bunch of things with. Okay? And so, when they put the same two water bottles in this cage, one water bottle was plain water and the other water bottle was laced with, once again, cocaine and heroin, almost never did the rats go over to the water bottle laced with heroin and cocaine. Really interesting uh, outcome. So, when the rat was isolated, it was nearly a 100% overdose rate. When the rats were in Rat Park, it was nearly a 0% overdose rate. The one major distinction, isolation. The rats in Rat Park had opportunities to make connection and attachment with others. And this has been a groundbreaking understanding to how we navigate addiction as a human society. And there's been study after study after study that has constantly come back to the importance of connection in fighting addiction, to the point that even the country Portugal has actually no longer outlawed any illegal substances, right? So all substances are now legal, and instead of leveraging those resources as a nation to enforce outlawing drugs and bringing about those punishments, they leverage those resources to bring connections and cultivate connections with addicts and various communities. Just a fascinating insight overall and how we think change happens and how it can inform our broader process. Now, this may seem like a new insight to us, but the importance of connection in every human relationship and for us to have connected relationships has always been core to the Christian narrative. And it's always been right at the center of what the New Testament authors are pointing to us for our human flourishing. And we're going to see that as we continue to unpack our series, We Can Change. Now, every single one of us um, longs for this abundant life in some way, shape, or form. That's why you're watching today, because you long for something in your life to grow, you, for you to grow into greater Christ-likeness. There's an area of brokenness or pain, or even there's an area of joy that you'd love to continue to expand in your relationship with God and others in the broader society. And what we've begun to understand in our series of We Can Change is number one, we saw in week one, that only love can change you. It starts with an attachment with God, this connection with God and his radical initiatory love that brings about a new possibility for you and for me as to what's possible for us as human beings. Week number two, we talked about how we change. And we saw that you can't change any part of you without employing every part of you. We need to engage our whole body and our whole mind in this change enterprise. That's how God wants to bring about change in you and me, is through our whole bodies. And now in week three, we're talking not just about individual choices, but we're talking about how this change cannot last in isolation. So week number three, here's our big idea that we're going to see anchored in scripture this morning, and it's this, your change needs a we, not just a me. Your change needs a we, not just a me. Your change isn't up to just you. It requires others in your life. Now, you still have individual agency to bring about change, and that's what the first two weeks were focusing on your responsibility. But these next three weeks are really leaning into the importance of being in a community and how these attachments to others have a drastic role as to whether or not our change goes the distance. Sound good? All right, well, let's take a look together. If you haven't already, turn with me in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 5. Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 5. And the Apostle Paul writes, For... Now, it's important to understand the argumentation and the logic here of Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 verse 3 begins with a really important word, for. It's this explanatory for. This context of all that the Apostle Paul is talking about in verses 3 and following Come with the understanding that you're already presenting your body as a living sacrifice, as we saw in verse 1. And you're being transformed rather than conformed to this world, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. What's the context in which those two things are taking place? Here in community, what the Apostle Paul metaphorically describes as the body. And this is absolutely brilliant, the way he lays this out. And this is why this is so important that our series is entitled, We Can Change... Not I can change, because we need each other. So what is this body? We need to understand what it's not and what it is. And so I always like to go the via negativa, the way through the negative first, and understanding what this body that the Apostle Paul describing is describing is not. OK? And here it is, this body is first not a gas station, all right? So he's describing this church community and it's not a metaphor of a gas station where you come expecting to just get filled up, fill me. You're expecting everyone else to fill you up so you can go about your life your way, the other six days or how many days that you feel like you need to make it in your life. That's not the body he's describing. Secondly, he's not describing the body as like a Netflix subscription, right? Where you just come and you gather together so that people can entertain me, you know? They're doing all the things that make me feel good. They're, they're saying a couple words around a message that really tickle my ears and affirm the values I already hold. And they have a couple songs and so on that sound really beautiful. No, 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 no. That's not what this body is. And thirdly, this body is not a drugstore, okay? This isn't a place where you just get fixed up so that you can go back and carry out your agenda, right? And all three of those metaphors, it's about me, me, me. But that's not who we are. That's not what this body is meant to be. You see, I want you to say this after me. Yes, even in your home, even if you've got other people around you, I want to encourage you because there's power in actually verbalizing our identity. This is important. Repeat after me. We are not a people who waits for everyone else to fill, entertain, or fix me. Say that again after me. We are not a people who waits for everyone else to fill, entertain, or fix me. That's what this body is not. So if that's not what this body is, what is this body, okay? The body, just in its very illustrative format, like in understanding what the body is, the body is mutually dependent, right? Each part of the body needs the other, We see this when you look at any sort of interconnection of the body. The hand, if it's going to get any sort of nutrients, it has to be connected to the forearm, which is connected to the elbow, which is connected to the bicep, right? You start thinking about that song you learned as a kid, you know? The right arm's connected to the left whatever the song is. Wow, that really butchered that. But you get what I'm talking about. So we know that you have to be interconnected. You have to be connected if you want to be able to survive. A hand that's cut off, that's off by itself, cannot survive. It has to be interconnected if it wants to receive resources. And really what the Apostle Paul, just by giving us this metaphor of seeing the church as the body, we're meant to see that we need each other to grow. If we're going to grow in healthy ways, we have to be mutually dependent upon one another. Number two, what we see in this illustration is that the body is organic, right? With a computer, You can change out different parts and pieces and it'll still work and function well. Those parts can maybe fit in a different computer, fine. You cut off a hand and you try to put it on another body. You try to take out certain parts and pieces. Those are traumatic events, right? The body is meant to be interconnected and it lives and finds its life one off of another. And really what the Apostle Paul is seeking to communicate here is that we find our life, we feel alive and are alive when we're connected one to another. And then number three, we have unity in diversity in the body, right? Because you have all these different systems, you've got a limbic system, you've got a skeletal system, you've got a respiratory system, all these different systems that are working in unity towards a unified purpose to carry about a unified goal. Like my whole body right now, my facial expressions, my erratic movements of my hands, all of that is working to communicate one message. My body working in unity to do one thing together. And that's a beautiful display here in Scripture of this metaphor, looking at the church as a body. Beautiful diversity, all these different parts. I'm not expecting a hand to do what a foot does. I'm not expecting a knee to do what the lungs would do. Instead, they all have their part to play. It's this diversity that's absolutely essential while working forward in unity, if we're ever to go anywhere together, if we're ever to grow in health together. And so this is what all this means, right? If we understand what this body actually is, then we need to understand that we are a people, a diverse people, who pursue each other's growth. We are a diverse people who pursue each other's growth. That's who we are. And in the moment any of those parts start to fall apart, we start to have an unhealthy body, all right? So this is the community that we're actually called to actually experience growth in. This is what it's supposed to look like. So how, how do we actually navigate this body? What do we do with this body? The Apostle Paul is pretty clear in that he wants each and every follower of Jesus to fully integrate into this body. There's no framework across the New Testament of this isolated Christian just trying to do their own things because they disagree with the rest of the body or going to look for a body that will fit their preferences and their particular style. Instead, you're to fully integrate within this body. Now, think about this. Anytime a particular body part goes rogue, every doctor knows that's a bad thing, right? When your hand stops responding to your brain, paralysis, right? Not a great thing. When your immune system starts to attack healthy cells, an autoimmune kind of condition, not a great thing. There are these moments when our body begins to go rogue against itself, and it slowly begins to deteriorate rather than experience flourishing. Instead, we are to fully integrate into this body in diversity and pursuing each other's growth and realizing our unique position towards a common purpose, which is God's mission. And how we actually integrate involves two things, okay? Two specific helpful steps as we think about connection at the center of this change enterprise that the gospel calls us to. The first thing, if we want to begin to experience change, if we want to be fully integrated into this body, we need to, number one, attach to other members. Attach to other members. Look with me here at verse five again. The apostle Paul. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. You both have the personal responsibility, but also the integration into the whole, individually members one of another. Think about this. If you're a member of someone else, <laughs> that requires extraordinary vulnerability, doesn't it? I mean, just think about how the hand, i we'll keep going back to the hand, is, is connected to the body. There are muscles that actually branch out from one part that bleed into the next hand. There are vessels that go to the hand If if the hand wants to get any sort of nutrients to survive those have to go through the heart that are then oxygenated by the lungs that go through the rest of the body until finally it lands in the hand, right? There has to be this vulnerability this willingness to allow these pieces to actually reach into the deep parts of who we are. And that vulnerability can be extremely scary because What it means is if one part of the body is sick, then the whole body is at danger. If one part of the body feels pain, then the whole body feels pain. And to open yourself up like that can feel really scary because it's both receiving and giving. And you can be afraid that maybe because of other situations or the newness of this, that when you actually are receiving for others, you're not sure if they're really going to give you good gifts Or if you're giving of yourself, you don't know for sure whether or not they're going to treat your needs with genuine care or the the things that you offer the group with genuine care. So it requires a significant amount of vulnerability and risk. But it's not just vulnerability once, it's committed vulnerability. It's time that it takes to build these relational um, histories and these places where you're slowly building trust as you open yourself up a little bit and people care for you in the midst of your vulnerability, you're slowly willing and able to open up further. You see, we have a very individualistic culture where even when it comes to knowing what body to integrate into, what church to plug into, whatever metaphor you want to use, we have no qualms quickly leaving a church. We have no qualms shopping for a church. Even just that language of church shopping is very consumeristic, very individualistic. And have no qualms abandoning a church, ghosting a church, because we suddenly now disagree with our own preferences and where that community is headed. I mean, think about this. (laughs) Amputation. I'm going a lot to body metaphors because that's where the Apostle Paul is. When amputation happens, it's an extremely traumatic event. When you leave a community, when you leave a church community, it should hurt. And if it doesn't, It means you are never never really vulnerable or committed in the first place. And so what are you running away from? You don't even actually know what's at the core of that community if it didn't hurt in the first place. Now, I say all of this, and I also recognize that so many have actually been hurt in very real ways by faith communities. And I am so sorry for that. And I know every story of pain is very unique and very complex. Simultaneously... Nowhere in the scriptures do you have a framework for now living a life in isolation. Your healing isn't just up to you. It needs this body, a body. You need to be fully integrated and find a space where you can be committed vulnerably to a people. If you ever hope to heal, if you ever hope to grow, if you ever hope to change in the areas of brokenness. And some of you may be asking, well, how on earth do I know if I've even been in one of those groups? I don't even know if I know what that looks like. Well, there's a couple categories um, that are really crucial. One is to recognize that when you really start to experience a community like this, a body, you actually have shared fond memories. And that doesn't mean everything was always good. That might mean you had enough trust that someone was able to call out your spiritual sickness, and instead of excluding you from the group, the connection became deeper, their commitment came to you deeper such that they were willing to walk through the mess with you. That's beautiful. Don't you want people in your life that can really see death in you and say this needs to change and I'm willing to go through it with you no matter what it costs? You know you've experienced this kind of body when you have like these fond, hey remember when that happened moments? When you can all look around each other and say, remember when that? Remember when that? And you're, you, you all are sharing this moment of joy. These shared bond memories. And listen, this is so important. The reason this vulnerability and this commitment is worth it is because that's where God's life dwells. He works through others to bring life. He's not calling you to isolation so that he can meet you in the darkness. He's calling you into the light to be surrounded by a new family that a body, so that those vessels and the, and the various nutrients can come through others to bring you life. And we'll miss it if we allow our cultural identity of individualism to dominate. And you'll never really become who you long to be and who Jesus longs you to be in isolation. So number one, you gotta attach to other members. Number two, You need to flex your strength for the whole. Look with me at verse 6. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Let us use them. Now, spiritual gifts, that's like a a church quagmire, right? And the hard thing is, is that we kind of go at spiritual gifts in the church all wrong, all wrong. Often when it comes to like a spiritual gifts inventory, we think, okay, here's a piece of paper or a survey And you tell me what you think about you. That's not how spiritual gifts work. That's not the way it's meant to be. Instead, the starting point in scripture for spiritual gifts is look in your community and find the need. And when you see that need, jump in and start helping. And while you're helping, the community around you might say, hey, you're really great at this. It's external affirmation, not just internal narcissism. Or we're trying to be who we want to be instead we allow the community to affirm who we actually are even if it's not always who we want to be and so the community can come around and say you're really gifted in this way or hey buddy you're not so great and man i wish we did this because i don't know how many times people will come to me in church and be like gabe i'm only gifted in this i'm only going to serve in this and two things come to my mind one i'm like dude already i know you for like five minutes and i know you're not gifted in that and then two Uh, I don't have a need there, so I don't know what to tell you. Like that, I wish we were more biblical just with how we navigate spiritual gifts and how we understand our strengths and how we bring them to a community. Instead of being so self-centered with our spiritual gifts, being more community-centered and how we care for one another. This would be so crucial in helping us grow. And so if you see the need, then you're able to leverage that strength with community affirmation. Now, I know this is going to take a lot of work, right? You're going to have to say no to a lot of things that are really good for me, quote unquote, like for yourself. But the reason why this is so worth it to fight for this is because you'll find belonging. You can find isolation and you can find even pleasure, but you won't find belonging without sacrifice, You won't find belonging without without allowing the community to speak into your life. You won't find belonging without serving. When you contribute to a community, you have the opportunity to know meaning. When you contribute and flex your strength and hear community affirmation, you have the opportunity to be known. When you flex your strength and you actually look for ways to engage the needs of the community, then you actually live into who you were designed to be. And you want to know how like some markers as to whether or not this is true, like if you've been in a, in a body that's really resembling this biblical category, it's this. You start to see spontaneous actions of love one towards the other. You start to receive it. It's like people don't even have to ask you questions. They start to know you so well and they start to leverage their gifts For you and your good. And then there come come these moments that pop up in other people's lives. And you just see an opportunity without them even asking. And you spontaneously jump in with who God's designed you to be. And serving and caring for them. This spontaneous actions of love one towards another. That become a catalyst for joy. That's the kind of body that Jesus is designing. That is the catalyst, this crucible for change and for growth. And if you haven't experienced a group like this you need to ask why. Now there are a lot of reasons why that may be true but maybe just maybe it might be because you've never been vulnerable. You've never been committed in vulnerability over time. Maybe you came in trying to find a place to glorify yourself rather than looking for the needs and how you might serve the community. If you have had a community where you've experienced some of these things, praise God, but if you haven't, ask those questions first. Because listen, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know where you feel stuck. I don't know where you long for change or transformation or where you're hungry to be more like Jesus. But what you need to know is that we... Your change must always, always, always include a we, not just a me. And in order for that to happen... You need to have a biblical category for what it looks like to belong to a body. And not just what it looks like to belong to a body, but to fully integrate into a body by attaching to others through these committed, vulnerable avenues where you're opening yourself up more and more as time goes on. And then you're flexing your strength for the whole, not to to kind of put yourself on a pedestal, but instead to be able to contribute to the needs of that community and so experience and receive and give spontaneous actions of love. This is the kind of crucible that Jesus is designing. I'm going to stop. Did it stop? Okay. Okay. Let's just stop it, and then I'll finish. I'm at the conclusion, so. Recording again. Okay, recording again. Brilliant. I'll let you guys sit down if you want. It's only going to be like three or four minutes, but, you know, who wants to stand up for this anyway? I mean. Okay. <laughs> Not me. Not me. I'll tell you that much. Hmm. for that noise to go by this is how we grow this is how we change by being connected to one another and so being connected to the head of the body which is Christ and through the whole of the body bringing nutrients and growing his body to be more in line with him This is why Jesus came and died on the cross in his body. For a body. Not just isolated Christians. But this kind of body that's centered in him. So whatever you do, don't try to change alone. Okay? That's not how it works. That's not how you work. And that's not how God brings about change. Instead, try God's way. Step into his community Fully integrate into this body and start small. Maybe it's inviting someone out for coffee. Maybe it's scheduling a phone call. Maybe it's already saving September 20th, that week, for when community groups relaunch here at Christ Community and saying, This time I'm jumping in. This time I'm going to be committed to being vulnerable. This time I'm going to seek to leverage my strengths for the whole. Because who are we? We are a diverse people who are actively pursuing each other's growth. Will you join us? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we confess our individualism and how so much in our culture makes our lives about ourselves, about our preferences, about our personal makeshift Jesus, And we pray, Lord, that instead we would have a greater eye for the whole. May you make us a people who see ourselves as a part of the body rather than isolated from it. God, we confess the ways in which we have been selfish or self-centered. We confess the ways in which we've made it just about ourselves. And God, we ask, Lord, that you would genuinely work Through the beauty of your church, this body, to bring about transformation and change. That this community would be a place where love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control would grow. That, That we would have the environment where your spirit can do what only he can do. Not only in us as Christians, but among us as Christians. We need you to do this work, God. We need you to do that work in us, not just in me or I or myself. We trust in you. We love your church. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And so now we turn to a practice that is meant to bring the church together, a communal meal where Jesus nourishes us when we gather together in his name. Here at the Lord's Supper, we remember Jesus' sufficient death on the cross for our sin. Through common broken bread, we remember Jesus' body broken, and through common juice, we remember his bloodshed for the forgiveness of our sins. If you're a follower of Jesus, you've got some elements ready, and you would like to partake, now would be a perfect time to do so. If you need a little bit more time to kind of get some things together, you can go ahead and pause this right here, and you can get those together, and then resume and engage going forward. But as we prepare to come to the table, let us remember what has been handed down to us. For the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Not a singular you, plural you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you, plural again, drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whenever you're ready, eat and drink the proclamation of who our Jesus is among one another.